0: This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Deacon Matt Woodley and is from Trinity Sunday, 2018. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you read certain portions and you think, this is utterly weird and this has nothing to do with my life. And you're very clear about that. Sometimes you read and you think, well, that's interesting. I could see how that might have something to do with my life, but not right now. And sometimes you read the Bible, and it's just like a dagger in the heart. And you go, oh my gosh, that's me. That's like my story. That's my journey. That's not just something that happened to this guy 3,000 years ago, this woman 2,000 years ago. This is my story. The Bible is retelling my story. I feel that way every time, that last one, I feel that way when I read Exodus chapter 3 the story of Moses at the burning bush. If there's one part of the Bible that's defined my life the last decade, I would say it's this story, the first reading that we heard. I wrote another sermon while I was gone on the gospel reading, but I'm not going to preach that one, because this passage from Exodus is just so compelling. It's just so my life. It is a story not just my journey, but I think it's a journey, story of every follower of Jesus's journey. Moving from, I'll put it this way, moving from the margins, being uninvolved, to the heart of mission that God has in and for the world. So think of like two columns, and over here we could use words to describe what it means to be in the margins, would be you're disengaged. You're unengaged. You're underemployed in the work of mission in the world. Maybe even cynical. Far from God, don't want to get sucked in, maybe been burnt. And then over here, this column, you're fully engaged. Your heart is warm. You feel and see the things that God feels and sees, and you are ready to pour out your life for others because of what Christ has done for you. Now, when I came to Church of the Resurrection about 10 years ago, I was firmly rooted in this first column. Well, we've had other leaders here at this church who have come here and been firmly rooted in this column. So that's not that unusual. In the last 10 years, God has been slowly moving me over here, sometimes kicking and screaming. Because ultimately for all of us, it's, as I'm going to say, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's the story of Moses. Moses moves from here over to here. And he does it kicking and screaming. So a background to Moses. Because we, enter, we heard chapter, Exodus chapter 3. The story of Moses actually begins in chapter 2. He is this golden child. He's this child of promise. He shouldn't even be alive. He's miraculously rescued out of the waters, and he's placed, adopted by the daughter of the most powerful ruler in the world at that time, Pharaoh. He becomes a prince. He lives in a palace. His life is amazing. He's got this amazing destiny. And then what happens? Well, life happens. or as I would say Moses happens to himself one day Moses goes off as we read next to this chapter 2 he goes off and he sees a Hebrew slave being mistreated by an Egyptian taskmaster and something stirs within him and as we hear this time of year almost every graduation speech in the world high school college whatever what is the theme it's make a difference in the world make a mark or every Disney movie that you ever hear what's the message follow your heart so Moses does both he tries to make a difference he tries to follow his heart and he tries to intervene and he winds up killing the Egyptian guy he rather than alleviating the injustice and the brokenness of the world he contributes to it he makes more of a mess in the world and so he disengages He moves to the margins, he moves over here, he escapes, he runs away, he moves into the country, the wilderness called Midian. It's a place of escape. Now I would like to say that I think all of us have our Midian places where we just want to escape, we want to check out, we want to disengage, maybe we're cynical. Maybe we're just tired of trying. Maybe we think the world is hopeless. Maybe we think everything's relative. There's no right and wrong. And what difference would it make anyway? That, or maybe a place of just passivity. That is our own Midian places. Now, notice in this story, let me just read it to you because they're leading up to chapter 3. It says in verse tw- chapter 2, verse 21 it says that, and Moses was content to dwell in this place, he liked Midian. He liked living over here. He's not miserable. He's got a lot of good things going in his life. That's the amazing thing when we live in this place of on the margins, we can be very content there. We can feel very good about it. Moses is actually sinking into this quicksand of despair, but he's totally unaware of what's going on in his own life spiritually. And yet he longs. There's this this memory in his mind that he was made for something more than that, made for something more than living over here. And so it says in verse 22, he says, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. In other words, he's saying, I remember. I remember my royalty. I remember that I was once a prince. I remember that I was destined for great things. I remember there was a call upon my life. There was an anointing on my life and I've sort of forgotten it but he longs for that so that's where we get to chapter 3 verse 1 now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro the prince of Midian and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God God is going to move Now at this point he's not looking for a mission he's not looking to make a difference and God is going to encounter him and God is going to move him from here into the heart of mission. How does God do that? Well, there's, there's basically, just to simplify it, it's basically two things that God does to Moses and in Moses. First of all, he opens his heart. He opens his heart to beauty and glory and majesty of God. And then secondly, he breaks his heart. He breaks his heart for the needs of the world. He breaks his heart for the things that are heavy on God's heart. And he's even willing to upset Moses and drag him out of this place of contentment in order to break his heart. So he opens his heart and he breaks his heart. First of all, he opens his heart. He gives him a vision of God's glory and majesty. Notice verse three. Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is burned. So he sees this bush in the middle of the desert, and it's, it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Now, in the desert, you, things would just sort of, because it's so dry and it's so hot, things would sometimes just combust and they burn. But what's amazing is the bush was not being burnt up. It was an amazing sight. It's like a miracle in the middle of the desert. And Moses goes, i got to see this. I have to check this out. That's what happens when God begins to open our hearts. Some unexpected goodness or beauty or glory, we see it. And we're like, I got to check this out. Now, some of you are at this place right now where God's beginning to open your heart. And maybe you're resistant and maybe you're still cynical. But you're, you're saying, I got to check this out. There's something real here. Sometimes we see it in creation. Sometimes we see it in a work of art. Sometimes we see it in a person that is reflecting the character of Christ, and it draws us in. Sometimes we see it in the work of the Holy Spirit through God's people, through the church. I've seen it here at Church of the Resurrection. I see it all the time. I I had the privilege of traveling to three different countries over the last 23 days, and I was in this little tiny village in... The western highlands of Papua New Guinea, one of the most remote and primitive places I've ever seen in my life. And my son and his family who live there, they invited me to go to this little church on Sunday morning in this town called Kumalong. Just try Googling it. You won't find it on a map. It's this little tiny town. They had in the middle of this town, they have a cage. And in the cage, they have a bird called a cassowary. Or, or a murok as they call it. It is the most dangerous bird in the world, just slightly less tall than an ostrich. It can hunt people down and flay them and kill them, and then I won't tell you what they do once they kill the person, but it's, it's like, and that's a bride price. So we're talking, this is a, like an amazingly primitive place, a basic place, a place that I've never experienced before in my life. And in the center of that town, that village, there's this little tiny church, a a hut. We would call it a hut. Some of you probably have a garden shed bigger than this church. It's about the size of the men's room on our main floor here. And into that place, they crammed 70 people for this amazing worship service. Great singing, great preaching, the power of the spirit fell they asked for a word of testimony, and this old mama stood up. And they call them mamas and papas. And so, this old mama stood up, and she gave this testimony, this moving testimony, about that she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And she expects the Lord to heal her, but she's not sure she may die. And then she just started like rattling off scripture and quoting scripture. A couple generations ago, this village was at war with another village constantly fighting back and forth and now because the gospel has come there's peace between these tribes and and this mama has encountered Jesus Christ and she's just rattling off scripture about how we all die and yet she's trusting in the blood of Jesus and my son had to translate this for me this amazing testimony when we experience things like that and you don't have to experience things that dramatic you just see it in people around you. you see it in the beauty that God is drawing you God begins to open your heart. Maybe God is opening your heart. Maybe you're on a journey and, or maybe your heart has become closed. It used to be open, but now it's kind of closed up. The Lord wants to open your heart this morning. Second thing he wants to do is, God opens our heart, And then he breaks our heart. Now, i got to say, that might sound really cruel of God. But God wants us to see what he sees. He wants us to hear what he hears. Look at verse 7, which wasn't in your reading, but let me continue in the story, because in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. God is always coming down to us. Did you hear the gospel reading this morning? Jesus, Did you hear what Jesus said about himself? He's the God in human flesh who has come down to us. That's why the early church found a reference to the incarnation of Jesus in this verse. God comes down. He's always coming down. I've surely seen their affliction. God says, I want to see. I want you to see what I see. I want you to hear what I hear. I want you to feel what I feel. And God will even, if necessary, upset us, inconvenience us, turn our life upside down in order to break our hearts so that we will see what he sees, feel what he feels. You know, at this point, I like to picture Moses as he's like a guy sitting in a lazy boy chair, and he's got it kicked back, and he's got his feet up, and he's got a big bag of ripple chips, and he's got some onion and chives dip, and he's sitting there in his chair, and he's getting ready to watch the NBA playoffs, or he's getting ready to watch his favorite soap opera, or whatever he watches, and somebody comes up behind him, spins the chair around chips and dip go flying, tips it upside down, and knocks him on the floor. That's basically what God is going to do to Moses here. Because remember, he's really content. He's content in his low-level despair. He's content to live there. And God flips him around and turns his life upside down, and Moses has got to be thinking, what the heck, God? I just had it. My life was really good. I had my chips. I had my dip. Everything was going great. And then you break my heart. That is what God wants to do in every believer. All of us. I was in Phnom Penh visiting uh, Father Gregory Whitaker, the the pastor that preached here a few months ago. Lives in Phnom Penh, helps pastor the church there. Drive by restaurant after restaurant in Phnom Penh, which is, by the way, is an amazing city, great city, beautiful things happening there. But driving by, restaurant after restaurant, there's these little plastic chairs set up outside the restaurants. What's that for? Overflow seating? Now, that's for the women who are being exploited, who are being sold for 4 to $5 a night for whatever customer will show up all over the city. That'll break your heart. My son works in a hospital, Kujip Nazarene Hospital, in the center of the Western Highlands. People walk two to three days through the jungle, get public transportation to get there. Because there are government hospitals, but they're just not run very well, or there's corruption, or all kinds of bad things, and so people want to get to Kujip. So every morning I would do rounds with my son. I would tag along, just go from patient to patient. This isn't like United States with HIPAA laws and things like that, so just go from patient to patient. And Matt would ask me to pray for the patients, but this is like this ward, just one big room, no sheets, no private rooms, just simple beds, like triage going from diseased person to diseased person and it broke my heart. You don't have to go to a foreign country, though. You don't have to go somewhere else to have your heart broken. You can have your heart broken by things that are happening to your next door neighbor. You can have your heart broken by things that are happening in this country. You can have your heart broken by friends that are going through hard times. God wants to take us on a journey from the margins to mission, and it happens when God opens our heart and breaks our heart. The greatest battle, I don't know about you, but I would define the greatest battle of my life, spiritually and personally, is to keep my heart open and broken. Because there's so many things that can numb us, there's so many things that can overwhelm us, there's so many things that can make us feel maybe moved but then we panic and like Moses we go out to make a difference and we wound up doing more harm than good that's why this has to be a work of the Holy Spirit has to be a work of the living God it can't be us charging out there and making a difference you see if your heart is open if God has opened your heart if God breaks your heart in the right way then You can become, the the picture I had, the image I had is like this clean, well-lit room with like beautiful hardwood floors, and the windows are open, and the linen curtains are flying as the breeze and the wind of the Holy Spirit comes sweeping into that room. That's what your life can be like. That's what my life can be like when we trust Jesus, when he opens our heart. Or to use another image like the Apostle Paul said, we become a vessel Think of a vessel, think of a a beautiful cup, a chalice that's filled with something precious and valuable. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, we have this treasure. Every Christian has a treasure inside you. The triune God lives within you. This treasure, though, is in jars of clay, Paul said, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. And not to us. That is the presence of the living God in a broken vessel like us. Even in our imperfections and our struggles and our inadequacies and our fears and our failures, God wants to inject His life into us. See, that was the story of Moses. Moses, he was here on the margins, cynical passive disengaged and very content and God moved him opened his heart and broke his heart and moved him over here and that's the journey he wants to take all of us on you know we all have different callings different stations in life different opportunities different family situations different work situations so yours may not look like the next person So you can't compare what your calling is going to be or what is the thing that's going to really break your heart the most. You can't compare. But God does have something for you. God wants to open your heart. And I would just say, start with what's right in front of you. You don't have to go to Cambodia. You don't have to go on a short-term mission trip. You can start right where you live with the people you live with you can start there. You can start really small, really ordinary things. One of the pastors I met in Papua New Guinea was a pastor named Pastor Apa, spelled H-A-P-A. He's a dynamic guy. He's got some physical disabilities. I said, tell me about the church you pastor. He said, it's called the Church of the Totally Disabled. That's the name of the church. And I thought. You need to get some American consultant over there, do some uh, marketing work for you. Need a little snappier name, something a little more vision. And I thought, you know, no, he doesn't. I said, well, how many people do you have coming? Oh, maybe 12, 15. It's like, that's what God's called me to do. He's passionate about it. That's what God has put before him. Start small. Start where you are and go deep in that place. God wants to pour out his power on us so we, we that tend to just drift over here, he can open our hearts, break our hearts, even if he has to upset our lives, to put us on mission for him. May we as a church be filled with people passionate about being on mission. Amen. Thanks for listening.